Hey, if I haven't had the chance to say g'day yet, as Ryan said, my name um, is Caleb and it's a pleasure to be here tonight, but it's also, um, I feel kind of silly because Cade's like, hey, come and talk about how to like, you know, put, put your faith in action through love. And then every time I get in this room, whether it be, this is my first time on a Sunday, in fact, but the other times I've been in this room midweek, I see people like Tyne and Ryan and Nicole, and then I meet Dan Flynn and I'm like, dang it, these people, I need to be asking them questions about how to do this. Um, so it's a real honor to be here tonight to share, I guess, a little bit of my story in learning what that looks like to put it into action. Um, but acknowledging as well that there are already incredible things happening um, through, through the people in this room because of their faith. And so excited to learn from you guys off the back of this conversation. And, and it'll be exciting to hear where this series goes for you guys as you do work through it. Um, and it was, Murray, it was great to meet you tonight, mate, for the first time as well. We, you definitely owe me a coffee date now after dropping all the little story hints there. Um, so I'll look forward to that. But mate, thank you for having um, Eleanor and I and Rachel here tonight um, to unpack part one of this series. Um, first of all, compliments to you all. Um, I was wondering earlier today exactly what time we should arrive um, just to make sure that, you know, we were here for like, you know, team meeting and that kind of thing. And so I thought I'll jump on the website. Um, Divergent got to, it was a great website. I don't know if the web designers in the room, um, got to the website, hit, hit the city PM button. And I don't know if you guys have picked up on this or if anyone found it this way, it says service time, 5.57 PM. <laughs> and we thought, wonderful. We'll be there at 5.17 then. <laughs> So thank you for being very specific and making it very easy to know when to, is the web designer here? No, no. I just was wondering if that person was here so I could appreciate the specificity of that website time. I don't know who else has been blessed by that. Um, a, li- a little bit about um, Eleanor and I, for those of you um, who, who have, haven't had the chance um, to catch up before and, and share a bit of story. We've um, been in Canberra um, almost 18 months now. Um, I'm not sure how many of you um, were born here slash came here. And if you were from that latter crowd and you came here, maybe you had a story similar to ours where someone said, hey, do you want to go to Canberra for insert whatever it is here? And your instant reaction is, oh, no way. <laughs> um, this is a whole nother series for another time, but I'll just leave this here. Maybe we can come back to it later in the year. But whenever you say no way, it seems like God just laughs you and goes, you just watch then, son. <laughs> Um, So here we are almost 18 months later, suffering through the beginning of our second winter in Canberra. You can pray for us. Um, We got in here and it was warm and I forgot about the cold. And then Tyne reminded me that there's at least three more months of this to go. So thank you for that, Tyne. And Tyne's still in Birkenstock. So (laughs) now I know how you really do become um, a Canberran is when you can wear Birkenstocks right through the month of May into June now, Tyne. Put some shoes on. (laughs) Um, but tonight, to, to rip into part one of this series, um, I wanted to, I, I guess, like I said, I look around the room and I see the faces and I've served with some of you guys through Red Frog's programs already and heard about some of the things that you're already doing. And so I guess I, I, I could start by saying, well, what you guys are doing is incredible and amazing. And I'm sure you have your reasons why behind the serving that you may or may not do to this point in your walk in following Jesus. But tonight, I guess I just unpack a little bit of my why and my response to what it is that Jesus has done for every single one of us that's compelled me to live a particular particular lifestyle that, um, as the name of this church so beautifully puts, might look a little different to what the values of our culture and our day might dictate if I was to be pushed by the current and the flow that 
we naturally might fit into. And I'm sure you felt that tension for yourself. And just quickly, I'll put this up front as well. I'm, I'm not familiar with all the faces in the room. So if you are here tonight and it's, it's your first time here, well, I've just told you about all the brilliant people who are here. So there's one reason to come back next week. Um, but in addition to that, may, maybe you're brand new. Maybe you're brand new to the idea of faith, the idea of a life shaped by the teachings of a rabbi 2000 years ago. And you're still just kind of trying to figure out why that should matter to you now in 21st century uni APS work, whatever it is that might fill your week and just trying to work out exactly where this fits and why it is that a group of people would gather when it's three degrees outside in a loft in one of the most progressive left interesting city centres of our nation and sing songs like the power of the blood changed my life. It's a, it's a strange thing if you think about it. Maybe I'm shaking the Christians here a little more at the start. It's a strange thing. If you, haven't, if you haven't taken the time to be amazed by what it is we believe in a little while, well, let's just do that together for a second. It's a really incredible thing because it's so counterculture. It's so divergent to what the times and the days might dictate to us. And so coming back to again, if you're exploring that or you've got more questions than answers about that at this stage in your life, well, first of all, welcome to the club. I've got a great friend who says you're never closer to God than when you're asking questions of him. So well done. You're welcome here with your questions. I know that. I know what the people of this church value, the community that is here values, and you are welcome here with your questions as much as your certainties. But tonight I hope that maybe, maybe, maybe you want to take a step across the line. Maybe you want to come see or see me or see Ryan after the service and talk about a next step in your own faith journey. Or maybe, maybe not, but stick with me. Because tonight I really believe that what we're going to learn together through the life of Jesus about what love really looks like has the power to change your life. And I might just put it this way. It's changed my life for the better and it's made me better at life. So I hope it can be something helpful for you tonight as well. I want to start in the Gospel of Matthew. And if you're familiar with the Gospel of Matthew, you'll be excited to go there with me because it's a very nerd-friendly book of the Bible. Ryan and I could nerd out for, I don't know how many coffees deep we could go on this one. Um, but the Gospel of Matthew was written, most theologians believe, the most reliable traditions that we have would tell us that it was written by a guy named Matthew, who was one of the 12 original followers of Jesus. And Matthew, they believe, was a tax collector. In other words, he shouldn't have been welcome in that crowd. And just a note up front, this isn't even part of my notes tonight, but Jesus had a habit of doing that. He had a habit of liking people he wasn't supposed to like, and they had a habit of liking him back. There's something in that perhaps, again, maybe we could, I don't know, Power of Love, whole nother series. <laughs> But we see this as, 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 as Matthew is so compelled by his experiences with Jesus that years down the track, he would take the time to compile everything that he had seen and heard. And he would take the time to speak to the other followers of Jesus around at that time. And he would create what Bible nerds like Ryan and I, and you know, we're not even level five nerds. We don't even read it in the Hebrew get really excited about 
because he created it in such a way that he had a really clear message he wanted us to get from the life of Jesus. And we're going to zoom in on a particular part of that tonight. And we're going to zoom in to Matthew chapter 9. And just before we start with these verses, I'll give you a little bit of context just as we dive in to the middle of a movie kind of thing here. And hopefully we can land together and understand where we're going. We arrive in Matthew chapter 9 and we're going to start from the verse 35. We'll put it up there in a second. If you've got your Bible, feel free to get that ready too. And we've had two chapters. Matthew has given us two chapters of what can be more or less described as teaching, sorry, sorry, not teaching, healing miracles in the ministry of Jesus. Two chapters earlier, he gives us something that you might know well called the Sermon on the Mount, which is his big first block of teaching that he gives us. And then Matthew goes on to describe immediately after that large lecture on the mountain, two whole chapters of miracles that Jesus performed in people's life. And this is why I think we need to go there tonight. He begins to show the power of the kingdom that he had begun to describe during the Sermon on the Mount. If you're not familiar with that, that's okay. Forget I ever said that. Here's the point. For two whole chapters, Matthew wants us to see that Jesus is going into the world of the most hurt, broken, messed up, messy, dangerous, disliked, disqualified kind of people in his day and age, in his culture. And he was showing them love in a way that was changing lives every step of the way. What is Matthew trying to point out to us? Two whole chapters. You would think a page of miracles would be enough, but instead we get two whole chapters. And I want to go to the conclusion of those two chapters to start our time together tonight in verse 35, where we hear these words. Seeing the people, Jesus himself, he felt compassion. Oh, sorry, I've got extra verses up there than what I have here. Let's start from there. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. Matthew summarizing what we've seen across the two chapters prior. And then, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And so my question with Jesus feeling this way after two whole chapters worth, who knows how long that looked like in days, hours and minutes and perhaps even weeks. After two whole chapters of that, with Jesus feeling this, I ask you this question. When was the last time that you felt compassion? When was the last time that you felt compassion for the distressed and dispirited as Jesus did in that moment? For two Whole chapters, Matthew takes the time, the ink. It was expensive to write back then. They couldn't smash it down on a MacBook and hit Command P. It took time. It took effort. Matthew labors the point just as I am now. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move on, I promise. For two whole chapters, healing miracles, healing miracles, healing miracles. And what does he come to? That Jesus looked at the crowds of people who were amassing around him because they were distressed and dispirited like sheep without a shepherd. The first thing we see tonight as we consider the life of Jesus, the first thing that I want us to note is that Jesus took the time to put himself in a position 
where he was moved by compassion. You guys have just spent a whole series unpacking the idea of love, of agape love, of a sacrificial love, of a love that costs something. Well, closely related to that word is the concept of compassion. The idea that you would be empathetic with someone else's suffering. And here we find Jesus himself moved by compassion, empathetically feeling the suffering of the crowds who had gathered to see his miracles and listen to his teaching. Jesus intentionally positioned himself after traveling throughout the towns and villages of Matthew describes it, to be moved by compassion. And so my question to you is, when was the last time that you were moved by compassion? There are some remarkable figures throughout history who have mirrored this positioning, this intentional positioning that it seems Jesus thought was important to put himself amongst those who were hurting, who were broken in his world. And one of those stories that has rocked me to the core and has very much become a part of my why, my reason to have, or at least attempt to have, compassion and to show love to the world around me. One of those is a Lutheran pastor by the name of Dietrich Bonhoeffer who lived during World War II. There's a picture of him up on the screen. You may have heard of the story of Dietrich Bonhoeffer in bits and pieces. I'm going to zoom in on one particular part tonight that just astounded me when I read it. You see, Bonhoeffer was a Lutheran pastor in Germany during the period of World War II. And it came to the point where the Gestapo, where the the Hitler regime was not happy about what it was that, that, um, I almost said Luther, that Bonhoeffer and his followers were teaching. They had attracted the wrong kind of attention. And so danger began to become a daily reality for him and his students and his colleagues as he worked in a seminary in Germany. And so it came to the point where people realised that the writings, the teachings of Bonhoeffer were worth protecting, so we should get him out of Germany. And so some of his friends in New York arranged for him to get a position in a seminary in America, and they arranged for him to be snuck onto a boat, put on this boat, and sailed across the sea to safety in New York. Bonhoeffer would have appreciated the help of his friends, but he also would have immensely frustrated them with what he did next. You see, not long after Bonhoeffer arrived in New York, he decided that the safety that his friends had made sacrifices in order to purchase for him was not more important than the hurt he was feeling inside for his fellow countrymen who just wanted to learn about Jesus. And so right after being snuck out of Germany and placed into safety in America in a New York seminary, Bonhoeffer, much to the disgust of those who had shouted him the ticket, imagine this, imagine your friend shouting you a holiday, getting there and saying, nah, I want to go back, like on day two. And so Bonhoeffer arrives in this New York seminary in this safety, in this position that was going to be a wonderful opportunity for him. It wasn't like he was just hiding out, doing nothing. And he jumps back on the ship and he heads back to Germany. And he goes into the underground church, into an illegal seminary where his life was under threat from a regime that would eventually take his life. 
Bonhoeffer put himself in a position where he could not ignore the compassion that had moved him. When was the last time that you felt compassion? A very extreme example. So perhaps to bring it a little closer to home, a few times that I think of recently where I've viewed compassion in action was when I took my friend Angus from the Central Coast. He's a youth minister. He loves youth ministry and coming up with great games and working out ways to get the next generation to pay attention to this incredible thing that Jesus did for us. And I took him with me to the schoolies week mission trip that Red Frogs organises each year. Some people in this room have participated in this. Some of you are like, yeah, I'm going this year. Some of you are like, no, I'll never go again. That cost me a good pair of canvas shoes. Canvas is the key because you can wipe it clean, right, Tyne? <laughs> You'd wear your Burks. <laughs> and when we went on this week-long mission trip, Angus came across all sorts of different situations that he was completely bewildered by, completely uncomfortable with. And we could go into detail about so many of them, but it's not so much the stories that I want to tell there. For context, if you're from Canberra and you're like, what's schoolies? Well, coasties, you might know it by. It's when a whole bunch of year 12 graduates go to the Gold Coast and try to flush their whole past away in like one week by partying really hard. That's a pessimistic view, but we go in to try and make sure that they don't do that. Some of them have a great time. And so we go in and we try to care for them and we try and be kind of like a peer-to-peer support network. And I'll talk a little bit more about what we do here locally in Canberra later on through Red Frog's programs of a similar vein. But on the, on, the, on the car ride home where all good things happen on road trips, I shouted my friend Angus a Big Mac from the local service station, McDonald's, um, somewhere between Byron Bay and the Central Coast. And I remember distinctly Angus saying to me, I just had no idea. I just, and it's one of those weird moments where a guy you mostly have banter with gets really real with you and you're not sure what to do with it for a moment. And then you're like, oh, he's being serious. I should like shut up. Okay, yes, Angus. And he said, I just had no idea. I just had no idea that the next generation, so many of them have so little to put their hope in. So many of them have, have, have been told things about their identity and about their life that is just not true. And I just wanted them all to know that. Angus was moved by compassion, by putting himself intentionally in a position where he saw those who were hurting and a little bit messy and saw that he could offer them a hope through the hope that he'd found in Jesus. And again, I emphasize that I'm with you tonight as a church community, if you do call this church community home. And here's another reason if you are visiting tonight to maybe consider this as home. We're in the room of a community of people who really value this. Like Ryan said before, as soon as like you pop a slide up about giving, if you're a visitor at church, you're like, here we go. They want my money. Knew it. But like Ryan went on to say, That money isn't feathering anyone's back pocket. The purpose of that money is so that this church community can find those vulnerable, needy, hurting people, both locally, globally, nationally, and that they can show them this kind of compassion. So when was the last time you felt compassion? And what was Jesus' response in this moment to the compassion that he felt? We can read on with Matthew in verses 37 and 38. He turns to his disciples And he says to them that the harvest is plentiful. You've probably heard these words before. 
but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. This compassion can move us in several different ways. But to try and put some language around it that might be helpful for you tonight. Where is the field? Where is the field that you feel moved by? When was the last time your heart longed or broke for something in your world? It could be in a workplace with colleagues. It could be at university hearing about the insecurities of some of your classmates. It could be when you're at youth ministry, perhaps you're a part of the youth ministry team here at Divergent playing touch footy every Friday, and I want to join that one. And maybe you hear some of the broken backgrounds that some of those youth come from. Whatever it is, what is it that breaks your heart? And the next thing that Jesus seems to point out, we can leave those verses up for a few moments. Thanks, guys is that there's going to be plenty of that. And the very next thing he suggests we should do is that we should ask the Lord of the harvest. In other words, he attributes it to God saying, it is God's, it is not mine. And he says, pray, pray, pray for the harvest. Pray for the field that your heart breaks for. And we know this is a stitch up because we know what happens in the very next chapter. And we see a pattern that begins to play out throughout the rest of Christian history. Because as soon as you begin to pray for something, as soon as your heart breaks for something, you quickly find... We see it in the very next chapter in chapter 10 because we get throughout the whole of chapter 10, Jesus' next block of teaching where he instructs his disciples on how exactly they should go out and minister to the crowds. He gives us the pattern. Put yourself in a position where your heart is moved by compassion. Pray for whatever it is that has moved you with compassion. And then the pattern seems to indicate that quite possibly you might just be a part of the solution. The story of red frogs, just to labor that point for a moment, um, which is what Cade kind of tried to invite. I've kind of taken the chance to share a whole bunch of my why, but the story of red frogs is, is, is very much one of this vein. Seeing a need, heartbreaking for it, and realizing that maybe if I don't do something about it, no one will. And so I just want to share a quick video with you guys, um, which is, has anyone seen the Hamish and Andy True Stories TV series? Anyone seen that? Yeah, a few fans. Okay, good. This is a, uh, a true stories episode that was done by the guys at Red Frogs about how Red Frogs got started. And specifically, because some of you have probably seen similar videos to this before if you've ever been to a Red Frogs training event or something like that. This video in particular relates to how the university ministry side of Red Frogs got started, which obviously is a big part of the life of this church. So this might be relatable. Funny and maybe a little offensive, but I think you'll mostly find it funny. So turn your eyes to the screen. Let's check this out together and then I'll wrap this up. There you go. So there's very much a story of uh, a different kind of story to the one we find in Matthew, I guess. Um, but another story of someone being moved by compassion and responding. And, and a, a shameless plug here. Um, if Red Frogs is something that you go, yeah, 
I, I, really, I really resonate with that, reaching, reaching university students, reaching young people, reaching the next generation, and giving them something more to live for than just the next party. If that's something that resonates with you, would love to have a chat about how you might get involved with some of those programs. And in fact, you don't even need to talk to me. You could chat with Ryan and Nicole um, because Divergent Church City, this particular, this particular gathering even, have your very own Red Frogs outreach program that I'm sure they'd love to have you engage with. Um, so if that's something that resonates with you, if that's something that perhaps you go, yeah, that's, that's something that I feel moved by, there's a great example of how you might take action from there. So to summarize those three kind of points that I pulled from what Jesus did next after being moved by compassion, what's the field that's breaking your heart? What's the field that's moving you to compassion? Pray for it. You never know, you might just find that you become a part of the solution. And it's worth emphasizing Andy's last point there too, which is that it doesn't have to be a big step to start, just a small one. Might just be an hour of your time cooking some pancakes down at John 23 with Ryan and a call this Friday. Might just be a conversation with a neighbor who you just felt like there's something there, but it's scary to talk to a stranger. Might be a colleague at work, you just you just hear bits and pieces that you go, something's not right at home there. You never know what could be on the end of it. Hey, are you going okay? Kind of question. Just a small step. It might be all it takes for you to start realizing that you can be a part of the solution to something you feel moved by compassion for. And to land tonight, I, uh, I want to go here because it's easy to fall into the trap of thinking that the way of following Jesus that's most important is to figure out, okay, I need to do a whole bunch of stuff and tell a whole bunch of people about Jesus as fast as I can. It's fun, but you will get tired. And then there's this yucky phrase that's become all too common in our culture called burnout that can come as well. And so it's important that I finish on where I think it all has to start. It can be hard to serve from a place of feeling distressed and dispirited. The types of people that Jesus recognized himself first. And so as Jesus was moved by compassion to them, for them, I should say, maybe the takeaway from you tonight isn't so much about your next mission field or the next thing that you're going to do, so much as it is about coming to the realization that there is a God, there is a Savior who looks at you and is moved by compassion. And that's where this starts very much where it started for me. I'm like a Enneagram 7 slash 8, I think it is, um, which if that means nothing to you, it basically just means I get really busy. And it would be easy for me to just get really busy for absolutely no reason. I would have no trouble doing that. And there are times in my life where I feel that tension. I just create busyness. And Ryan, I apologize. If the only time you feel like you can catch up with me at 6 a.m. for a run means that I'm stuffing that up again. So good reminder. <laughs> But then I stop and I remember the reason that I do any of it in the first place. Because first, the creator of the universe looked at me and had compassion. Maybe that's the one thing you need to hear tonight. 
don't know what load you walked in here with and you just listened to me talk for 25 minutes about how you should start serving other people and you're like, you have no idea the contents of my brain right now. That's not going to happen. Ignore the rest then. Just catch this bit. If you feel dispirited, if you feel distressed, then Jesus is looking at you with compassion. And He doesn't just leave you in that place. He extends a radical invitation to each and every one of us to be brought back into relationship with Him and to experience love and security that goes beyond anything else you'll ever experience in any relationship, substance, or hobby that this world can offer. Remarkable story I heard, and then we'll wrap up. Speaking with a pastor friend of mine, he was speaking of, a, of an international connection that he had with a, with a missionary who was in Egypt. And, you know, as you do when you speak to someone who's in a country where there's a lot of conflict, where there's an, an obvious amount of difficulty to overcome, the polite way to end the conversation, how can I pray for you? How can I pray for you, friend? And this leader of a church in Egypt turned the question around. And he said, not this time. Let me tell you what I'm praying for you. Let me tell you what I'm praying for you, Australian pastor, where career calls your name, real estate calls your name, fashion calls your name, cars call your name, relationships call your name. I pray that before you would get busy with all the doing, that you would see who you are in God's eyes first. Because in Egypt, we don't, we don't get a choice. Where we, where we serve, it could all be taken away tomorrow. My life, could, my life could be taken this afternoon, I don't know. But I rest in the fact that I know who I am in Jesus and everything else comes from that point because Jesus first had compassion for me I can even consider having compassion for those around me one of the most famous people in the Christian faith is the Apostle Paul and he's responsible for planting a whole bunch of churches um, that's the short introduction he summed this story up really really well in a letter to the Roman church which was kind of like his piece de resistance his complete work if you like he says this in Romans 5 6 through 10 you see at just the right time when we were still powerless feeling powerless this was the time when we were still powerless Christ died for the ungodly and very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person Though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates His own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Maybe that's the most important take-home for you tonight. Forget the rest if it just sounded like busyness. And start there. At the moment where you feel powerless, at the moment where you feel hopeless, at the moment where you feel not enough, 
That is the moment where Jesus enters your picture and says, hey, I died for you. So you didn't have to go through life feeling that way. Two questions to finish on that you might be able to take into life comms this week. When were you last moved by God's compassion towards you? And that should say number two, but for some reason it's number one twice. When were you last moved by compassion for someone else? But if that second question feels a little far away, just stick with that first one for me for a while. Have a chat with someone about that first one. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? I'd love to pray. And then I think we're going to go get some Guzman. Lord, I thank you for tonight and I thank you for this time we've been able to spend together. I thank you for the beautiful community that is Divergent Church City PM. I thank you for all of the flavors, colors, stories that make it up. I thank you that you are forming it into a community that might stand out against the culture that dominates not only our nation, but in particular this part of this particular city. I thank you that it would be a stake in the ground to say, nah, there's a different way. And Lord, just for a moment, I would just invite you and, and, and your Holy Spirit that you sent to live in each and every one of us who so chooses for it to. I would just invite you into this room. We know you're already here, but here I am saying, Jesus, come into this room and Lord, touch hearts tonight. First of all, with your compassion for us. Remind us, Lord, that first and foremost, we're the receivers of compassion. Undeserved, unmerited, but yet it's there for us. Stir hearts that need that reminder tonight. And second, Lord, I ask that your Holy Spirit might be birthing ideas tonight. Ideas that we ourselves might be moved by the compassion that you showed us to go and show that very same compassion to others in our world. Lord, whether it be through Red Frogs and the ministry of this church through that program, whether it be in personal spheres of family, colleagues, friends, neighbors, sports, teammates, whatever it might be. Stir in our hearts tonight a compassion that would compel us to action. And Lord, we finish by saying thank you. Thank you that you did not leave us where we were, but were moved by compassion for us. In Jesus' name, amen.